Welcome to Canine Revolution Radio. Presented by Canine Revolution Dog Training. Enhancing the dog and owner relationship through education, balance, and pack instinct. Hey y'all, welcome back to Canine Revolution Radio. I'm your host, Chris. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, understanding structure and why our dogs need it. Um, so I think in our very first episode, Chad talked a lot about structure and management and that kind of stuff with, um, in reference to potty training. Um, today, we're going to kind of deep dive into structure, why it's important for our dogs, um, not just for puppies and potty training, but uh, throughout their entire lives. All right. Um, so structure is vital for our dogs and for us as humans. Implementing a structure can increase the life and health of your dog, lower or extinguish anxiety and insecurity, and it can build their confidence uh, in themselves as well as in you. Uh, and it establishes you as a strong and confident pack leader, something that all dogs need. So this is super important. So all mammals require some form of structure. So think about um, you know, like our society as humans, right? There are rules and there are guidelines that we live by, right? Um, you know, there are positive and negative consequences for adhering to or breaking those rules. And if those rules are not in place, chaos can erupt, right? So the, the world of our dogs are, are no different. So under our training system, we refer to this structure as the pack structure. So that's what we, you might've heard us say a lot, the pack structure. That's what this is, what we're talking about. Pack structure is a set of rules and expectations taught to our dogs in a way that they understand on an instinctual level, uh, reinforced through consistent and effective leadership on our part. All right, so what rules you set for your dog are completely up to you and they can depend on your lifestyle, right? Most of us don't want our dogs, you know, jumping on the counter and stealing food, uh, jumping on people when they come over, digging holes in the backyard, chewing on furniture or carpet, uh, and the list goes on, right? In order for us to have control over these behaviors, we have to have a structure in place, right? So uh, when we're talking about structure, um, how do we start? Where's, where's the starting point how, where we can implement structure, right? So first, uh, we'll talk about schedule and overall management, right? So we want to set up a consistent schedule for our dogs. So this is um, kind of what, what Chad was talking about when we're, when we're talking about body training, how important scheduling is. Routine can help when we're dealing with anxiety, right? So we, we want to set up consistent feeding times, potty times, training times, walk times, etc. Right? So this isn't something that, uh, this is like an overall schedule. Uh, consistent schedule. So it's not something that needs to be extremely rigid and followed to the minute, right? Because life can change and throw us curveballs. But we want to provide some form of routine and normalcy for our dogs, right? So we try to feed them around the same time every day, right? So like what I'm talking about, if 6 a.m. is our, our feeding time, but you know, for whatever reason, we feed them at 6.30. Okay, not a big deal. In general, we're, we're having some kind of consistent schedule. So maybe we perform our training sessions around the same time. We go for an evening walk before bedtime. Uh, we play fetch or tug in the morning, <clears throat> after breakfast, and before we go to work, right? So these are just some examples, right? So it doesn't, the time is not necessarily the, the key here. It's, the, it's, you know, if in the evening before we go to bed, our routine is we take our dog on a walk, right? It doesn't necessarily matter if that's at, you know, 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. 
that is a cue to our dogs that hey, this is what this is our routine, this is our ritual before bedtime. So this is how how the schedule, how, what we're talking about as far as schedule, right? Um, so those are just some examples how we can start to implement some form of schedule or or, or routine with our dogs. So next up is management. So we have to manage our dog's behavior while we are teaching them the pack structure, right? So the pack structure, the, the, the set of rules and, and expectations, right? Obviously we can't just sit our dog down and have a conversation with them and lay out, hey, here's the rules. No, we have to teach them and there is a process to that and that process takes time. So during that, that uh, time of teaching the, the pack structure, uh, we have to be able to manage them, right? So by controlling every aspect of our dog's life, <clears throat> We are building their respect for us while also not allowing for successful repetitions of undesirable behaviors, right? So that's huge. Let's examine, uh, we'll talk about some of the common issues people typically want addressed uh, with their dogs, right? So these are just a couple of examples. There's, there's a long list. So digging in the yard, um, getting on furniture, laying on the couch, jumping on people, chewing on furniture, uh, pottying in the house, excessive barking, uh, and the list goes on and on and on and on, right? So these are just a couple of, of uh, things that we're trying to long-term address, but we have to be able to manage, right? So let's just, let's just say hypothetically we're being intense about training our dogs, and we're going to do two separate two-hour training sessions every single day, all right? Uh, we're going to get up early and train our dogs for two hours. And this is when we're talking about training. I'm talking about teaching the expectations, right? So we're working on obedience behaviors, working on healing, all of that kind of stuff, right? Uh, then we're going to do two more hours of training at the end of the day uh, when we get home from work, right? So that's, in, in our opinion, that's, that's, some, uh, that's four hours of productive training per day. That's a lot uh, compared to, you know, let's say somebody that on um, the average person works a nine-to-five job, um, it's going to be tough to do do four hours a day, two two hours before work, two hours after work. So, but we're just hypothetically saying, right? So you can accomplish a lot um, with four hours of of good training. Absolutely can. But consider this: at some point, you've got to go to work. You've got to go to the store. You need to pick up the kids. You need to run errands. Uh, you need to sleep, right? What are our dogs doing during that time? If I'm at work for eight hours. Uh, and my dog is outside, as an example. We don't advocate leaving your dogs outside unattended, you know, or anything like that. But let's just say we leave them outside while we're at work. My dog has eight hours to dig as many holes as he wants, right? Or let's say uh, I let my dog free roam in the house while I'm at work, right? My dog has eight hours to get on the furniture or excessively bark at every little thing that passes by the house um, or to chew on everything, rip up the carpet, right? So in this case, our four hours of training are really not doing any good, um, and, it's, and, and it's never gonna solve the issues that we're trying to solve. So I won't say that it's not doing any good because we can be very productive in those four hours, but um, there's 20 more hours in the day that we need to, you know, what's, that we need to think about. What's, uh, what's our dog doing for those other 20 hours compared to the four hours? So we can have four productive hours and then 20 very unproductive hours, right? So that can be counterproductive, and we're not really gonna solve the issue uh, long-term. So during the management phase of training, uh, it's crucial that you're able to manage your dog's behavior. So for us, that means using a kennel uh, when we cannot physically manage our dog, right? So uh, if we are in the shower, we can't physically manage our dog, right? So if they're, until they're at that level of training where we can trust them, um, we have to be able to manage them. So they go in the kennel whenever we can't physically manage them. If we're sleeping, if we're out at work or anything like that, they go in the kennel. 
Uh, we like to quickly teach, uh, you know, like a spot command or a place command um, so that we can, we can use that as a form of management when we are home, right? So now when we are home, let's say, let's say I got to cook dinner, right? And it's, it's a little bit difficult to uh, physically manage my dog, but now I'm at that point where I've got them at, I can I have them at a reliable downstay in a spot or a place. Um, now they are, they can be out of the kennel, engaged, but still under, under control, if that makes sense. So we also want to manage when they have access to uh, food and water, when they go outside, when they train, when they exercise, uh, when they can have toys, etc. Right? And so, and to to just to clarify, so we're not just locking our dogs in the kennel all day. So a lot of people, when we start giving them the intro to structure, um, you know, they're like, "Well, I don't want to. I don't want my my dog to just be locked up in the kennel." We're not. That's not what we're talking about here. During this process, we are still responsible as dog dog owners for providing them with their instinctual needs of physical and mental stimulation, right? So management is critical during the process of instilling structure, all right? So now uh, we've talked about the management side of things and the schedule. So now we'll talk about um, the next part of establishing structure, which is you know the actual training part, teaching the expectations, right? So we, just, we, we talked about that. The pack structure is a set of rules and expectations to live by for our dogs, right? So what are those rules? Uh, those rules are going to vary, like we talked about, just depending on your training goals, your lifestyle, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, the one thing that we, we believe, you know, where we like to start with and is a good foundation is obedience commands, right? So this is a good foundation for setting up a set of expectations for our dogs. So we teach, uh, we teach dogs to sit, down, stay, heal, and recall, okay? So, and I'm not talking about, uh, a lot of people get confused about this, so I'm not talking about going to a puppy class at your local pet store, you know, a few times, showing our dog some obedience uh, and calling it a day, right? Because they sat or they down a few times and we gave them a treat, right? Oh yeah, my dog knows sit because he's done it, you know, five times, right? That's a good starting point, so I'm not knocking, uh, you know, the training at pet stores, things like that. It's a good starting point, but it's nowhere, you know, near the end or the finish line where we need to be. So I'm talking about proofing these behaviors to the point that it's muscle memory for our dogs. Uh, these, these behaviors should be proofed to the point that our dogs perform them each and every time we ask them to, regardless of the circumstances, right? This means uh, when I call my dog, they should come each and every time, right? Whether we are in the backyard where it's nice and calm or we're at the beach where there's a lot going on, right? Um, or when my, decides to take off, my d dog decides to take off after a squirrel, right? High arousal event, I should be able to recall my dog uh, right off of that, okay? Um, these behaviors we have to understand, and our dogs have to understand, these behaviors are not optional, uh, you know? So these, these are also not the same thing as tricks, like roll over or play dead or, or uh, give me your paw, right? Like those are, those are fun things to do. They're good for mental stimulation. We like them. I'm not knocking those, but it should be seen a little bit differently, right? Uh, these, these obedience behaviors are crucial behaviors from a safety uh, perspective, okay? So um, if my dog's taken off after a squirrel, but he's running towards the street where there's cars, he has to recall when I call, right? Um, otherwise, we have a potentially unsafe situation. Uh, so we call this we call it obedience for a reason. If your dog does not perform these behaviors each time you ask them to, they are not obedient, plain and simple, and they very well may not understand what the expectations are. Right. So this takes time, <clears throat> repetition, and consistency. Right. Time that can mean several weeks or even months 
Just depending on your dog, depending on your dedication, depending on your schedule, how much time you have to devote. Um, you know, some people can work through this a lot quicker. Uh, some people it takes time, and it's okay. There, this is your dog. Uh, there is no, there shouldn't be any rush, right? So take your time with this, and that's just you know, as, as the time that it takes. That's just how long our management is going to be, right? Uh, repetition means. I mean, literally hundreds of repetitions. So again, this, this goes back to, you don't go to the puppy class and do a couple, you know, okay, I did five sits, my dog knows sit, right? No, that's not how it works. We have to do day in, day out repetitions. That's the only way that our dogs will learn. Repetition, consistency. Consistency means we do things, we do these things daily without fail and the standard does not change, and we do not lose momentum in our leadership day in and day out. So this is big. So a lot of people, sometimes they get, they get dogs, it's, uh, it's new, they're motivated, they're like, yes, I'm gonna train my dog, and then they do everything right for you know, the first week, but then guess what, it gets hard, it gets inconvenient. Oh, I have to wake up early. Oh, I have to stay up a little bit later, or oh man, I don't wanna keep taking my dog out, or I just, I'm just gonna let them outside and let them do their own thing because that's easier, right? As soon as you lose that motivation, you've lost consistency. You've, you've lost your dog's respect. Uh, they, they no longer are going to respect you as a leadership uh, from a leadership perspective, right? Dogs can see stuff like that as weakness, right? They respect a strong leader. They need a strong leader. So uh, those things, just keep those in mind while you're going through this process. All right. So now through this whole process, um, it's also vital that we instill clear communication. This is huge. All right. So remember, our dogs are nonverbal creatures. I, I talked about that already, right? So even though many of us, myself included, uh, may sit down and have full-on conversations with our dogs, we have to re realize they don't understand what we're saying. Those conversations are for us as the humans, right? It makes us feel good, but we need to truly be able to separate that. Like I said, I do that too, but I understand they don't know what I'm saying. That's for me, right? So they don't speak a verbal language. Uh, we cannot simply explain and negotiate what we want with our dogs. Dogs learn through association. So they learn to understand what certain words mean by making an association to them. They learn when I say the word good, they get a treat or a pet or some type of reinforcement, some type of reward, right? Thus, they make the, the association through several hundred repetitions. When I say the word good, they have done something right, right? So they also learn when I say the word no, I remove their treat, uh, or I don't pet them, or maybe I, uh, you know, give them some form of accountability or correction, right? Thus, after hundreds of repetitions, they make the association that when I say the word no, they've done something wrong, right? And this, this goes back to uh, consistency, right? So this has to be done repetitiously and consistently uh, in order to, for the communication system to be understood by our dogs, right? So consistency in the words that we use too. So like. If sometimes I, I say, uh, like my dog's name is Vader. If I say no one time, but then I say Vader, no. Or I say, hey, nah, I make some weird noise, right? And it's, I'm, I'm lacking in consistency. I'm simply gonna use very neutrally the word no consistently, repetitiously, right? So that they're learning that communication system. They make the association to the word no, okay? <clears throat> So, but this, why this is important, it's important because we have to have a means of truly letting our dogs know when they've done the right thing versus when they've done the wrong thing, right? So that's why that's important. So now there are more aspects to the structure, like working on specific distractions, right? Advanced obedience, off-leash work, socialization. There's a lot more, right? 
Um, but so the things that we've discussed are the foundation and the basis of structure that everyone should have in place. Um, and then you can expand on this in any way you would like, in particular to your specific goals for your dogs, right? So like with my personal dog, Vader, one of my goals was I don't want him to react at other dogs, right? So once my foundation was in place, then I can truly go and address that, right? Now that became part of my structure was taking him places where uh, there's other dogs and I can, I can proof all of the obedience and things like that in that kind of environment. So you can expand on that, but make sure that that foundation is nice and strong first, okay? So now real quick, uh, let's talk about certain behavioral conditions that, that um, structure is going to help address. So anxiety is a big one. So this is one that we see a lot. Um, so in fact, most, most of the undesirable behaviors that we have mentioned so far in this podcast could be rooted in anxiety, right? So our dog's excessive barking, digging in the backyard, jumping on people, chewing on furniture, these are very common anxious behaviors. So when we have a structure in place, we can seriously address these issues, right? On one end, when our dog performs these behaviors, because our communication system is in place, we now have the ability, uh, we can communicate that they are doing the wrong thing, right? They start digging, we say no, we correct them. Through repetition and consistency, they learn that digging is the wrong thing to do. Um, you know, it's a behavior that we do not want and it's, an, it's a behavior we're not going to allow um, so over time, that behavior will become extinct, okay? Um, on the other end, we can now effectively redirect them and more importantly, redirect their energy, right? So let's say my dog is jumping on my friend. Let's say Chad comes over to, to hang out or have dinner with me and my family and uh, Vader goes and, and jumps up on him, right? When he comes to the house. I can tell him no and I can correct him and then I can, I can send him to his spot or a place command, right? Downstay at a spot. So now, uh, because we have habituated the obedience um, and it is muscle memory, my dog quickly goes to the spot, right? So this is a command this, that he is very familiar with and he's proficient with this at this point in his training. So now, even though he's still anxious that Chad has come over, right? He has something else to focus his energy on, right? And that is maintaining a downstay on his spot. So over time, the jumping behavior will become extinct over time. Okay, because we don't allow it and we're giving him something else, else to do. But even more importantly, he will begin to become less anxious when people come over, right? So maybe even I'll take it a step further. When I know Chad's coming over, I already have Vader in his spot. So now he can't even get a repetition of jumping up on Chad. He's already focusing his anxiety on maintaining his spot, right? So uh, his anxiety has not been reinforced by jumping and getting attention. So eventually he will be calm and confident when people come over, right? So let's talk about insecurity. So insecurity is another common behavioral condition that we see, right? The pack structure addresses insecurity in the same way that it does anxiety, what we just talked about, right? So uh, in this scenario, let's say uh, my dog is fearful every time I walk by my neighbor's sprinkler system, right? This is a real scenario because I've dealt with this one. So um, one day I'm walking Vader, neighbor's automated sprinkler system goes off, freaks him out. He tries to run away, right? He's scared of it. So ever since then, he's uneasy about the sprinkler system at that, at that location, right? So prior to uh, any, in introducing any structure, my dog would try and run away from the sprinkler and pulling me along with him, right? So now we have taught our dog, we taught my dog to heal, right? So I taught Vader to heal next to me and he walks calmly next to me on a loose leash on our walks, right? So as we pass by the, strength, the sprinkler, my dog maintains that heel position because he understands the expectation. 
So now we're passing by. Sure, he may still be fearful or a little bit insecure. Um, and I can see that in his body language. But the difference here is he's relying on me. He's holding the expectation. He has something to focus on. Then we successfully pass by the sprinkler. And guess what? Nothing crazy happened, right? Oh my gosh, that wasn't that bad. Now next time it's not so bad. And we continue to progress through that. So over time, the sprinkler no longer causes fear. And my dog becomes more confident, right? So that's kind of how that addresses uh, the insecurity. <clears throat> So now, once you have successfully established a, a strict structure, schedule, all of that kind of stuff, this is when we can start to let up on the management part a little bit, right? Uh, once our dog understands the structure, has become more confident, respects us, respects the rules, we have established some trust, right? So now we can allow them certain privileges that we choose. So if my dog used to chew on the furniture or rip up the baseboards or whatever, right? But he hasn't done that since we implemented structure. He has been overall obedient, respects my authority. I may allow him the privilege of staying out of the kennel while I go out and mow the grass or I wash the car, right? Short period of time, I let him kind of free roam around the house, right? <clears throat> um, I come back, he's good to go, right? So I'm gonna allow him that privilege and we may be able to extend that time longer to where your dog's free roaming the, you know, for the whole eight hours that you're at work right? Maybe my dog that was a digger, you know, gets the privilege now to free roam in the backyard. He's not just on the leash with me. I'm going to let him free roam, right? Once trust has been established between you and your dog, you can allow them these privileges, not because they deserve them, but because they have earned them, right? At this point, you can start to adjust your structure to fit your lifestyle and your preferences. You can tighten up or loosen up the structure at any time as you see fit, uh, and your dog is going to understand this right so this is not all just about structure 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 and being mean and locking them up in the kennel that's that's not what we're about uh, we're about uh, giving them strong leadership um, you know through trust and respect building that relationship that kind of stuff once they earn they respect our leadership they've earned those privileges of free access to maybe food and water maybe we want to leave water out for them all day right um, obviously, you know, if you guys have been listening to us for a while, that's not something we recommend in the beginning. We, we control access to food and water. But once that respect is in place, I leave water out for my dog, right? So like right now, my dog's at the house, free roaming around, sitting on the couch. Uh, he's got free access to water, that kind of stuff. That's something that he earned, right? Now throughout the life, uh, our, our dog's life, they're going to test us. They're going to test you to make sure that you are fit to be a strong pack leader. So at any point, you can reintroduce structure. That's the beauty of it. You can reintroduce the structure. Uh, you know, maybe one day you come home, you've had them free roaming for a year and they got a little anxious, chewed up the carpet. Well, you now, you know, we're, we're gonna re-implement some structure. You're gonna go into the kennel. Usually after a couple of days, they're, they're back to, you know, respecting you as a leader, so. So hopefully now uh, it kind of makes sense why structure is needed and important in our dog's life. Uh, introducing structure to your dog reduces anxiety and insecurity, builds their confidence, right? It builds trust and respect going both ways. It creates a way for us to truly communicate with our dogs. This also reduces our anxiety and gives us a way to live a happy, stress-free life with our dogs. All right, so that's, that's kind of our deep dive into structure. Um, this is probably something we're going to harp on in a lot of our, our videos, um, but that's what we got for today. We appreciate you guys listening. If there's anything else you guys want us to touch on or talk about, feel free to drop uh, that in the comments. Otherwise, we'll see you guys next time.